0: If you're an athlete, you know that proper hydration is key to peak performance, but plain water can be boring and sports drinks can be filled with artificial ingredients and added sugars. That's why I love Cure. It's a clean and effective way to stay hydrated and perform at your best. Cure Hydration is an oral rehydration solution that contains the perfect balance of electrolytes and glucose to help your body absorb water and rehydrate quickly. Kier believes that hydration should be simple and effective, but also clean and natural. That's why they use only the highest quality plant-based ingredients and avoid any artificial or harmful additives. Are you ready to combat dehydration? Try Kier today and feel the difference for yourself. Use code IMPOSTER for 20% off your order.
1: Hello, and welcome to Imposter Women, the show that tells you that you are not an imposter. We're here to help you tackle your life and business goals unapologetically and with confidence. I'm your host, Jesse Linder Gallo, and I'm so excited to be coming to you today with an episode on money mindset and tax planning. In today's episode, we're chatting with Diana Yanez, All about her business all the colors and getting more information from her about these hot money topics i know taxes aren't exactly anyone's favorite word uh, but the reality is we all have to plan for them and we all have to uh, prepare for them and we all have to pay them so diana has some great tips about getting in the right mindset for it preparing our systems and really aligning our values and systems With our money. She also gives some good takeaways as to how you can engage with a tax professional in this episode. Um, And I really enjoy talking with her. Deanna has so much expertise in financial planning. Um, You're also going to hear in this episode that I open up a little bit about some of my tax woes in preparing my own taxes. So you hear a mini therapy session there in the middle um, that was really, really awesome with Deanna. And thinking about how, um, when it might be time to outsource some of these things as well. Without any further ado, let's meet today's guest. Deanna Yanez's interest in personal finance led her to become a certified financial planner. As a certified financial planner, she wanted to do more than provide people with technical information, which led her to become a registered life planner enhancing her facilitation skills with compassionate inquiry training and developing her community coaching program. Deanna is owner of All the Colors, a financial planning company whose vision is to transform the state of money management for women of color and entrepreneurs worldwide. Deanna, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you on Imposter Women. Thank you, Jesse. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So Deanna, first and foremost, we'd love to hear more about your business and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Tell us everything we need to know about All the Colors.
2: <laughs> well, like you said, the, the vision is to transform the state of money management. I help women create stable and supportive money systems for themselves, their loved ones, and their communities. A lot of the times we know what we should be doing with money, but that doesn't actually make that we do it. I think it's with everything, right? We know what we should be doing with our diet, with our exercise, with our money and actually implementing it is a different part of it. What I really focus, I help people both understand what's in their best interest and also start to implement it as a certified financial planner. We were serving, we serve the top, um, the four to 6% of wealth holders. So I was creating something that could serve a wider amount of people. And that's really the mission, the vision of all the colors, the top 40, 50, 60% of wealth holders.
1: That's awesome. And I talk a little bit more about that, Diana, because you have a business that really is situated to serve underserved populations and to serve really a different community of people than most financial planners. Tell us how you came to that and like what that's looked like building a business in, in such a different way than your peers in financial planning.
2: It's been a lot of trial and error in some ways. I've also felt very lifted by other financial planners because this is a, something that a lot of us would love to do. Right. A lot of people, because the community coaching program that I created, it's not new to do group coaching. People just haven't figured out how to do it. And I'm still like I've been doing this for 15 months. I'm still like refining things. Last year was very much the year where I built the program and I piloted it a couple of times. And this year, it's like, how do I make sure that everyone knows about it, that everyone who needs this knows about it? What's it been like? It's I wanted to be an entrepreneur before I wanted to be a financial planner. So that that gives me the drive to keep going, right? This um, And finding out how well-suited I am to be a financial planner, then just on top of wanting to be an entrepreneur really moves it forward. Yes,
1: that makes so much sense. I think some people just have that bug, right? Just have the itch uh, to try entrepreneurship. So tell us a little bit more about starting your business. So you said you're 15 months, into your co- group coaching program. You're just a few years into your business in general. So tell us how this all came to
2: be. The first iteration of this was very much a side hustle. So I know that's also part of the focus here, right? So I started off as a side hustle when we all got sent home because of the pandemic.
0: Yes.
2: So once I had that additional time at home and also as a financial planner, our clients were not needing um, our support as much because we had no idea what was happening. So I was doing, instead of like my regular 40 hours, I was probably working 25 hours. So that extra time I started developing this money coaching. And again, that was part of what I've always, what that always has motivated me. A lot of times financial planners will do like pro bono work. Yet when you're working on something as deep as money, like a one-time shot is often not enough for people. Because that's, again, just telling people the recipe without helping them learn how to implement it, how to cook it, how to really keep it in their life. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started testing it all in in many different ways. And I I think I mostly just like made content at the beginning, the first year. Eventually, it got to a point where actually it started off with my traveling too. So I'm I'm a digital nomad. When I started traveling in July of 2021, I stopped working on all the colors. I'd been working on all the colors for maybe a year and a half. And I was like, you know what? Just let me travel. Let me just enjoy the fact that I'm (laughs) in Mexico or wherever it was that I was. And towards after six months of that, I had to just I felt in me like I either have to commit to the firm that I work for, or I have to commit to my entrepreneurship. And it was it was a really difficult decision because I loved my coworkers. And a lot of the times people don't enjoy their workplace, but I really did. Um, one of the things that made it easier was that I wanted to keep traveling. And they were not, <laughs> they were like, you traveled already six months, like you need to come back to Philadelphia. <laughs> so that, that also moved me into entrepreneurship. That also helped, helped move me in there, yeah. And then how did I get started? I I remember the first Monday of 2022, full-time entrepreneur, another friend of mine who's been an entrepreneur for 10 years. She um makes jewelry, she makes like designer high-end jewelry. We had a business meeting just to like set our goals for the week our, our goals for the month, and that helped me feel like I wasn't an imposter, right? Like I wasn't pretending to have a business, but I actually did have a business. I was meeting with another business person and we were setting out our goals and yes. and community has been a big part of keeping myself on track. I also um I hired someone to help me with marketing and she, Cory Oberden, shout out to Corey. She helped me Just think about, she helped me speed things up because there's a part of me that just wants to research everything before I put it into action. But she gave me a timeline, like you actually need to have this much content. You need to be putting it out at this point. She gave me deadlines, like very tangible deadlines, which then helped me all of the skills that I had as an employee of meeting deadlines. I just brought them into entrepreneurship because I think sometimes as an entrepreneur, It's like you have this big blank canvas. Where do you start? Right. So those those were the things that really the first six months like were very helpful.
1: I love there's like multiple things you said there that were so good, like just talking about that transition from side hustle to entrepreneur. That's such a wonderful story to have hear, heard you go through, because I think for so many, that is the dream is to, to build that side hustle into their full-time gig. But I love that you paused and that it wasn't a given because it isn't that isn't necessarily the next step for everyone. And we have some people who are listeners who their side hustle will probably always be their side hustle because that's what they want it to be. And that's what they love. So I, I appreciate that you shared that you had to really think about that and that it wasn't necessarily an easy decision.
2: Had to do. I also have the freedom of like a lot of the times that people don't go after the thing that they want is because they, they have other obligations as a single person without a mortgage. You know, a lot of the, I didn't have those reasons. So then the only reason was sometimes fear, you know, fear of failure. Um, and that wasn't compelling enough to be bored, <laughs> to stay at my old job and be bored. <laughs> And we all have that
1: that fear of failure. Everyone shares that. So yeah. <laughs> And also, like you said, that imposter syndrome can be so real, right? Like even I can relate very much to what you're saying of like sitting there feeling like, no, I'm, I, this is a real business. I'm setting goals of meeting with a business person. Like sometimes even just calling uh, my business a business feels weird. I'm like, well, you know, it's It is a company, but like it's not that big. So it's I think just like really putting yourself in a situation to feel empowered to be in business. That was such a smart, such a smart move in the beginning to build that community. (laughs) I love that. So I would would love to hear. So you mentioned that you're a digital nomad, which is Very cool. And what a gift the pandemic gave, right?
0: In a way.
1: (laughs) In some ways. Um, But can you just tell our listeners, where are you recording from right now?
2: Right now, I'm in Bogota, Colombia. I got here five days ago.
1: Amazing. All right. And do you stay as you travel? Are you staying like in a hotel
2: or hostel or do you find people to stay with? I do everything. I do all of it depending on what my mood is, what my work situation is. Right now, I'm actually in a really heavy time for work. Um, well, in addition to being an entrepreneur, I, I have a contract job. So I both have all the colors. I, I also work with high net worth individuals who are looking to bring their investments in line with their values. Mm. So which is it's awesome. I get to work with both scales with both ends of the spectrum. And like, and it's still very much the same work. And that work right now is going through its heavy season during spring. So we have client surge meetings in spring, client surge meetings in the fall. And as a digital nomad, when I look at my schedule is how I decide where I'm booking and how quickly I'm moving. I'm probably I'm gonna be in Bogota in this apartment for three weeks. And I have a total of 10. So Digital nomading has made me all about thinking of my life in weeks, at least for me. I know some digital nomads will stay in a place for months. I do weeks. I have 10 weeks before I have to go back to the U.S. for work. So I'm doing four weeks in Bogota, four weeks probably in Medellin, and then two weeks in Lima, Peru. And I have to go back up to Minneapolis for work and then a family event uh, in California. And after that, I haven't decided if I'm either gonna go back to Mexico City, which is a city that I'm considering staying in more permanently, or if I'm gonna go down to Santiago, chile. Um, so <laughs> being a digital nomad is there's there's a wider amount of options. it's it's incredible, like the diversity in my life. A week traveling feels like a month in routine. Um, so it's just added a lot of vibrancy to my life. It also there's a lot of, like, every time I move, I'm looking for a yoga studio. Every time I move, I don't know where the food is. I don't know where the grocery... There's a lot of, like, very mundane, repetitive things that get old. Um, And that's why I think most people only do it for a few years. Um, It's hard to find anyone who's done it over a decade. Yeah,
1: You probably learned so much flexibility, just having to totally readapt in every new place. So... I'm, I'm sure you use that in your business and in all parts of your life.
2: <laughs> yeah. I just, my anxiety, I remember in January, I was uh, collaborating on a workshop with some of a group of other people. And one of the women said, oh, I'm just, I haven't been able to settle back. I went home to visit family. I got back a week ago and I haven't been able to settle back into the routine and I sat there and thought, like, when was the last time that I had routine? Like, what does it even feel like to settle? Not that it's, it's not, I just no longer need it in a way. Um, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm like, okay, this city that I'm in, I'm, I'm partying too much or I'm eating out too much or like I'm doing something too much that's not in balance. But I feel more settled regardless of what's going on outside of me. Because digital nomading is so unsettling, you just have to learn how to live with it. Yes, <laughs> I love that. That's very cool. Wow,
1: so good. Thank you for telling us more about all the colors in your business. I'm sure we could talk more about your story for a lot longer. But for sake of time, let's uh, let's dive into today's topic. So we brought you on to talk more about money mindset and everyone's least favorite word, taxes. <laughs> So I'm really excited to hear from you about this and really dig into your expertise Diana. So tell us first just from the perspective of money mindset, right? For for a new entrepreneur, for any entrepreneur, we have these blocks that get in our way and money is a core thing that we have to deal with to make a living and whether you like it or not, money and taxes are part of this. So what are some of the biggest money blocks? You see from your clients. I'd love to hear from you. Um, are there any mindsets that you think could really help a new entrepreneur address their money more positively?
2: For I was working with like one of my clients who's a very creative, and one of the things that she had going on is that she thought that money systems would make her less creative. Mm. She thought that having like. The other business account that was like the money was being sent to it and figuring out all of that number stuff. She thought that's just not for me. And through our work, especially in the community coaching where she saw other people who had similar mindsets, she realized that having stability would actually make her more creative because it would free up her mind. Right, it would free her up to do other things. So that's one of the mindsets of just thinking this this world is not for me is a big part of it. Especially sometimes as women, I mean, women, even if we're not directly told money's not for you, like there's so many ways that we are still. Like, for example, women didn't really have access to credit cards in their own name or to like be able to take out a mortgage in their own name until 1974. Right, so before that, you either had to have like your uncle or your father, your husband, a random stranger who was a different gender, like they had to vouch for you in order to get credit. And those things are still, we're still carrying them. So sometimes as women, we have that additional weight of thinking this world isn't for me. Entrepreneur, a big one is, especially when you're starting out, if you feel that your self-worth is related to your income, right? How do you separate that? hmm. How do you. Well, yeah. How do you continue to stay on track to your vision as the thing grows? It takes a while for businesses to grow. Another there's there's like a million limiting beliefs. The easiest way to get to our own limiting beliefs is to just consider, like, where do we get hung up on money? What are the money stories that you heard growing up from from parents from significant figures in your family? Those are such good questions to
1: ask too. So where do you get hung up on money and where do the money stories you've heard? That's like brilliant <laughs> just to sit and think of. Like we love journaling here. I know journaling is one of the things we talk to our listeners about a lot. So there's a couple of prompts for you. <laughs> for all the all the ladies listening, there's a couple right there. Is there, talk a little bit more, so I love that you talked about money systems and how they can really free you instead of bog you down, because I think they can feel so daunting and so big and so, ugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really is, um, I love how you explain that, that it really does free you up. If somebody is listening and they don't have a money system at all, or they feel like their money systems are a mess, where do you recommend they start? How do you start building
2: that? So when people are starting to build their systems, it doesn't mean that you have to completely throw away what you're doing right now, even if what you're doing isn't working for you. like there's still something there, right? You're potentially like you have food and shelter, right? <laughs> you're doing something right. So start by focusing on your cash flow, what I call your irrigation system, like what is coming in, what's the the money that's coming in how how easeful is that? Are you, do you have consistency in it? If you're an entrepreneur, if you have a side hustle, there may not be a lot of consistency there, but how do you know when the different seasons are of your business? Right? So, or how long do you know that projects are going to take before money comes in? So having really clarity on that, that's a place to start what's coming in. Then look at what's going out. Are you aware of what you're spending money on? a good place to start looking I mean we're still four months into 2023 you can look at 2022 most credit cards will give you a review of the year's spending and you can look through there and be like is this in line with where I want to be before people create their their budget their spending plan which I call budget I call budgets because the, the word budget comes from little bag in French just, just a little bag, you know, where you put your coins and your IOUs. It's not a way for you to measure your self-worth or your skill at adulting. It's just a little bag, right? So it's meant to kind of take out the teeth from that word, make it a little bit more playful. In your bouget, when people are starting to work on that, I have them first identify their values. There's a values exercise that goes from looking at all of the values available in the world to then limiting it down to 10, down to five, and figuring out your top five. And a value is something that when it's compromised, you feel like you don't, you just don't feel like yourself. One of my values is adventure. And when I was first out of college, I my income wasn't up for the adventure that I'm up for now. <laughs> so I made sure, <laughs> I made sure to, I lived in LA at the time in California, so, at least once a month, I would do something sightseeing related. I would go someplace new. I would go to a concert. I would do something that fed that part of me that was that adventure was important to. Mm-hmm. And when you have your values reflected in your spending plan, it makes it easier to stick with it and it actually makes it joyful. It makes your spending plan supportive. It's also important to look at your risk management. That's something that a lot of the times we don't think about. But if things, if like things hit the fan, how are you set up? Do you have, the first thing is, do you have cash on hand? I was listening to someone yesterday talk about how her dream is to have enough cash that if her husband were to pass away, she would be able to not leave her bed for a year because she wants to be able to grieve him that entire time. And she doesn't want to have to think about, I, yeah, Jess, I saw your your response. Yeah. and That's so good. And for for new parents, making sure that you have life insurance, if something happens to either of you, looking at disability insurance, and those words often feel like they belong in somebody else's world, but they're really tools for us to use. It's really my vision of like a a well-functioning money system is something that feels between like getting a massage and going to the dentist for a dental cleanup, you know, for your six-month checkup, you know, it's just. It's something that you do for your your money hygiene, Uh, and it can also feel good because here you are taking care of yourself, making sure that your values are being reflected in your money, making sure that, and, and the risk management part of it, I'm getting so excited I can feel my voice speeding up, the risk management side of it will also help you sleep better at night. Right. A lot of the times we have these money anxieties. And yet when you start, when you slow down and start to look at the numbers, start to actually create concrete actions, it's easier to get out of that overwhelm. Okay. So what's coming in, what's going out, risk management, and your goals, short-term, future, midterm, long-term goals are those being looked at? That's where I would have people start when they're creating their systems.
1: That's so helpful because it is also really holistic in the way you're having people think about it too, rather than just thinking about, you know, thinking about money and your system on the broader scale and not just where are you filing papers or how are you storing receipts. So I think that's what can get so overwhelming, right? Is like the the nitty, nitty gritty of it. Um, But really organizing yourself by your values and aligning everything to that makes so much sense.
2: And another thing about money mindsets, there's one of the things that sometimes we're just very unaware of what's unconscious in us as we're walking around our life with money. For example, as a society, sometimes, especially with social media, we can have this tendency of like keeping up with the Joneses. And it can be very unconscious. And on one end, I remember um, Danika, a friend of mine who was also on this, she says how at some point it's really just like living the life you deserve. And that's very true. But we also have to watch out for when you're being unconscious about it, right? If it's something that you're actually like, you know what? A monthly massage is actually something that's really important to me. Let me do it. Versus I don't even know what happened. I don't understand why there's no money left at the end of the week. You might have spent on the same things, but it's much better when you're aware of it. And when you're aware of it, you also get to decide how you're doing it. If keeping up with the Joneses is important, I know for me, the area where it's important is um, shoes. I love splurging on shoes. So I make sure to do it on shoes. You know, there's a lot of other things I don't care about, but the things I do care about, I go ahead and do.
1: That's perfect. It's like permission to put your money in the places you you want. <laughs> like, I'm going to follow any system that lets me spend money on shoes. I know. That right <laughs> no, that's so good. So thinking – a little bit deeper and and maybe pivoting a little bit to taxes here so in in the us it's tax season is a word we're hearing a lot uh, many people have probably just wrapped up their taxes or hopefully are wrapping them up they're at the time of recording they're due in a week <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully people are, are done or, or close to it but how um how do they know for a new business owner i think one of the things that can has tripped me up in the past and I've heard trip other people up is even just knowing what kind of taxes to file and when they're due. What Where would you point someone to start to figure out at what point they need to be filing taxes and what that's going to look like so they can even get prepared and have the right deadlines on their calendar?
2: Right. So there are the quarterly estimated taxes and those are due January 15th, April 15th, June 15th, September 15th you can actually automate those um, for the federal payments. Uh, the gov- the federal, I think the website is EFTPS, something like that. But if you Google estimated payment, tax payments for the federal government, you'll come to the website. And it takes a little bit to register. It takes a couple of weeks. So do not go on there on January 15th, the day that you're supposed to make your estimated tax payments, try and do it two weeks in advance, right? Okay. That's going to be based on on your Schedule C income, right? On what your profitability is going to be, which is hard to know, especially at the beginning. If there's a lot of inconsistency in your income, what you can do then is track your net income, track your expense, track your income and your expenses for the business, and then just take fifteen percent, twenty percent of that, depending on your income bracket. If you're a household where somebody else is bringing in income and you have consistency in that then take that into account. Depending, it's often, the best solution is always to pay the right amount. But when you don't know what the right amount is, then pay a little bit over. If you pay under, you'll have to pay a fee. When you're getting, for example, if we just wrapped up 2022 taxes and you know what your Schedule C income was, your tax preparer is probably going to give you an estimated tax sheet, estimated tax payment sheet, if they don't or if you don't think it's going to be reflective of the following year you still need to pay the minimum of at least i think it's 110 percent of the previous year
0: okay.
2: to be able to be within the guidelines so then you would just de- divide like how much taxes did i pay last year do 110 percent of that and then divide that over four and and that's how you'll know the amount
1: I think something as you were describing that to Diana, you were saying, you know, your tax preparer is going to give you specific forms. And I think people don't realize that you can talk to a tax professional outside of January to April. You, you can call them anytime, right? And start that relationship. So I know that's something um, that feels a little weird the first time you do it as a business owner, because as an individual, you you don't call your tax person outside of those couple of months, um, but it actually can be really powerful. And is that something you do with your clients as well and
2: encourage people to do? Yes, I do recommend that people stay in touch with our tax preparer because. As the year's income can change, it's helpful to to know ahead of time what their potential tax liability will be. I actually also, because I focus on working with entrepreneurs, I have a worksheet that I created on um, just a Google Sheet. Right, anybody can go and do this on their own. On the top, it has all of your income streams. On the bottom, your expenses, and then it just gives you your net income, and then multiply that by whatever you think your tax bracket is going to be for the year so that you automatically have that amount set aside for either those quarterly estimated tax payments or the tax payments that you're going to be doing later on if you're going to do it at the end of the year. 25% is the general rule of thumb. However, if you're higher income, you might want to do 30%, 35%. It's also great to use something like QuickBooks. I personally really like using Next, uh, I think it's Wave app, Next
0: Mm -hmm.
2: because it's free and it's really intuitive. When I've ever worked with QuickBooks, I'm like, I don't really understand what this is doing. This feels difficult. So I just use the next Wave app.
1: And we used Wave for a while in our business and really liked it uh, as well. So there's there is alternatives out there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) QuickBooks can be expensive sometimes and maybe a little intimidating. So it's good to shop around. So as we close up tax season for 2022, how can a new business owner be thinking about, so we talked a little about systems before we combined the two, how should a new business owner be thinking about setting up their books for 2023? And I am particularly interested in this question because- Diana, I'm going to tell you, my books were a nightmare last year. I put, dug myself into a terrible hole, and the taxes were rough. So, so tell tell the me's listening right now, how can we not put ourselves in that situation next
2: year? Can you can you tell me a little bit more about like what you mean by books? Do you mean like looking at your QuickBooks and looking at your Wave?
1: Yeah, right. So, like your whatever you're bookkeeping in, whether that be QuickBooks or Wave or a notebook, however you're doing your your bookkeeping,
2: it's best to do it monthly, right? So set up set up a date for yourself where you spend maybe an hour. I do it on the first Thursday. So I have Thursdays. That's the administrative day of my business. It's the day that I do the stuff that I don't want to do, but I have to do to keep the lights on, kind of thing. And the first Thursday of the month, I spend time on my Wave app preparing that. So, and you can make it into, again, something between going, getting a massage and going to the dentist, right? Maybe you wanna get your, maybe you buy a cup of coffee that day or you buy yourself flowers on that day. Do something to make it feel more enjoyable and take breaks. So setting up your books means doing it consistently. It's kind of what I'm saying, like coming back to it consistently and figuring out a way to do that. If you're not doing it, then the question is like, well, what's, what's getting in the way of you doing it, right? So if, can I ask you about what happened for you?
1: Oh, yes. I think I just fell into the classic trap of like, Like you said, there's things you have to do for your business that you just don't want to do for your business. And bookkeeping is that thing for me. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I had the best of intentions. I had my like folder system set up of like receipts as they came in and copies of checks and all that kind of stuff. And I had all the best intentions and it just like one month turned into three months, turned into six months. And I just had a mountain of bookkeeping to do to even begin to do our taxes.
2: Would you be willing to hire someone to do that work for you?
1: I don't know if we're there yet, but that's a great question. How how do you know when you're when you're ready for that? You know, when you're talking to a client like when is it time to outsource
2: that? I think it's very similar to when is it time to outsource house house, um, house cleaning. Mm. I remember being in a group of circle, in a women's circle, and they were all very high earners. And several of them were just not able, willing, ready to hire a house cleaner because in their mind, they should be able to do it on top of everything else. Or they didn't want to spend the money that way. They thought it was a frivolous way of spending their money. So bookkeeping, very similar to house cleaning. When is the time to do it? If you can afford it, right? That's the first thing. Are you able, is it going to, if you're, if you're going to go into debt to do bookkeeping, don't do it. It's not the right thing. (laughs) Just think if you're going to go into debt for house cleaning, do not do it. If you're not going to go into debt, maybe you can, right? If it's going to help you sleep better at night, if it's going to make tax season easier the following year.
1: That's so good. I love that analogy. (laughs) It's very much on on point, and like you said before, it really comes back to values, right? Like, where do you want to put your time, and where do you value putting your own energy? And that's those are some questions I need to ask myself. Maybe bookkeeping's not the place that I want to
2: that I want to put that that time and energy. Maybe it's time for some help. And there's there's absolutely that's one of the things that I love about the way that I do money coaching. That a lot of the times we look at numbers, we look at money, and we think it's math. It's actually psychology because otherwise I would say never hire anyone for bookkeeping it's something you can do yourself why sleep when you could do your own bookkeeping you know <laughs> why sleep when you could garden yourself when you could deep clean your house like and that some people have that mindset and that makes them happy I like bookkeeping I do not like house cleaning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the thing we can do and the thing that we want to outsource. So <laughs> I think this has been really helpful, even just like thinking about getting started with taxes and how to kind of get set up with systems and things. Um, we talked a little bit about softwares and systems. Would you maybe just give a little bit more information um, on how someone might go about like picking a system or picking kind of a software to use for organizing their their information?
2: My focus in my business is very much on money coaching, money mindset. I've created a lot of very, um, very simple systems. I don't use a lot of apps and that that's personal preference because as a, as an entrepreneur, you get to decide where do you want to keep your focus? Some people really love being up to date with apps and that's a place where they can really shine. That's not where I shine. Instead, I help people find their own apps. Some of the apps that I know of for cash flow are Mint, I know of YNAB, I know there's there's several out there. Mm -hmm. And the other end of it though, it can be really, really helpful if you're getting in touch with your expenses, with your outflow, to do it by hand. There's something, um, for example, if you journal, right? Journaling on a computer has a different feeling to journaling with your hand because your body memory is also being involved much more than if you're having it automated. Once you're very comfortable in the way that you're spending, maybe at that point you do want to automate it with Mint or with YNAB. And for some people, if we're talking specifically about cash flow, they actually don't really need to be as deep in the weeds with it. When your inflow is really strong. You just make sure that you're putting money towards your goals, your short-term, mid-term, long-term goals, and that you're covering yourself for any kind of risk management things. The rest of the money, you can just kind of let it flow, right? As long as you're paying it off every month and you have a cushion left in your checking account, you're probably fine. That's good for some people. For me, I like knowing where I'm spending my money. Again, I like bookkeeping. I like numbers. I like crunching them. I think it's fun. So I do it. Right? So where do I recommend that people go for apps? Ask your friends. Ask people who are similar to you and who have the system, the money system that you want to have. Ask them what they do. Uh, That's one of the things that I I teach a lot. We don't talk a lot about money, and there's all this shame about, like, we're supposed to know how to do money, but we're never really taught how to do it, other than how our family did it, right? And sometimes in families, we don't really talk about money either. So then how are you supposed to learn? Mm -hmm. On social media, maybe? (laughs) So I really recommend that people have money mentors where they practice having money conversations. I know when I was out of college, I had someone at church who I really, we had like a good relationship. She was like my my additional grandmother and she had done very well for herself as an entrepreneur. And she started to coach me on how to like get out of debt and like do some of the work that I do now with people. But she also showed me how she was changing as she grew older when her husband passed away, she went from having, she like upgraded her home. Some of the things that she put off, she started to do them. And she reminded me like these things, this money that we save, we, we have to make sure that we enjoy it too. So I saw that shift in her. Um, and I, and I, it was also a lot of the times when we're comparing ourselves to other, we're putting ourselves down, thinking, talking about imposter syndrome, Right. But there's a way that you can compare yourself to someone who is further ahead on the journey and that's actually very motivating so find people who have the money lifestyle that you want to have and ask them how they got there it's not everyone that you're going to do this you only need one or two money mentors and maybe you're lucky enough to have them in your family but if not there's a lot of money coaches out there including myself who'd be happy to talk with you and share what we've learned
1: that's fantastic. I think so many of us can can really appreciate that. And and that's a good challenge for all of our listeners from this episode. Is there's your take takeaway for today is go find a money mentor or two start having those conversations. Deanna, I wanna pivot a little bit back. Um, so we've talked about Texas, We talked a little bit about money mindset. I want to pivot a little bit back to you and your business. Um, so as we kind of walk towards the end of the episode here today, um, I want to hear a little bit more about all the colors. What's your vision for your business and where do you see it five years from now?
2: So here
1: it is. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was paper, but she just held up a piece of paper with it right on it. I
2: love it so much. And uh, the piece of paper that I showed Jess very briefly is actually like a bunch of coloring pencils and like different things that I've doodled out. Uh, and I want to keep teaching a little bit about money mindset. By the time we're seven or eight years old, we usually have an idea. We have a relationship with money. We have beliefs around it. So when I work with people i have i send them especially for for the community coaching program i send them a notebook and i send them coloring pencils i send them tools that a seven-year-old would recognize so that they can start to investigate those things and i i do that myself five years from now i want to have really clear partnerships with nonprofits and for-profits and schools where i can go and teach this money mindset i i think of my work as like liberation work where you're no longer going to be stressed out by money, but instead supported by it. Right. And again, I work with people who want to, I work with women who want to do well for themselves, their loved ones, and their community. When I am doing well, I can be supportive to my community. When my community is doing well, it's supportive to me. I work with people who see that interconnection. So that's, that's why part of my vision is, is that partnership. I want to be able to do right now, um, money. I'm doing it twice a year. I'd like to be able to do it. I don't know ten times a year if if I get it if it's large enough where I can hire other people also to teach this that would be really beautiful as a certified financial planner who's Latina I often didn't get to work with other Latinos or with other people of color and this is a way that people can do that right I want to write a book I want to write a book that talks about like what does it mean to have enough how do you enjoy yourself how do you enjoy your life how do you support those around you so I want to write a book. And I I want to have a home. I want to have a home, but by the end of the year, I love being a digital nomad, but I am so ready to have like a kitchen that's fully stocked with all of the spices I need. And I want <laughs> a dog. <laughs> that's like six months goals though, not five year goals.
1: You've got to have both short-term and long-term.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's so fantastic. I can't wait to read your book. I can tell you are going to write that, that that is Not just a dream that you're going to make that happen. It's going to be so full of good nuggets. So call me when you write it. (laughs) Thank you. So I also want to ask you something we love to ask all of our guests. What's a resource that you've loved in your business journey?
2: It's definitely been other business owners. My favorite resource is other business owners. Very community focused. I'm sure people can tell by now. But asking other people how they got to where they are. Um, is really helpful, especially when things are rough, right? Being held by others as you're building something new is really important. Nothing's built alone.
1: That's so beautiful. So that sense of community really shines through there. So that's great advice for all of us as well, too, is to, to find that community. So one thing I always forget to ask, and I'm not going to forget today, um, is Deanna, can you also tell our audience where they can find you?
2: You can find me on my website, allthecolors.net for network. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Those are the three social media that I use.
1: Perfect. We will link all of your handles in the show notes as well, so everybody can find you really, really easily. With that, it is time for our final segment of the episode. This is my favorite segment, our weekly wins. This is the segment where we share wins that we are have in our business, big and small, each week to pump each other up and keep going. I'm so excited to hear what you've been up to in your business this week, Deanna. Um, what has been your win in the last week?
2: Well, last year, the focus was really on building the product that I have and this year the focus is on telling people about it and I started a nine-week outreach program this week so yesterday and I have a friend who's my accountability partner and every time I'm going to reach out to someone that I don't want to reach out to someone I'll, I'll text I'll text them and <laughs> I've had two clients like I had a client a day come from it I'm like oh wow this actually works telling people that I'm here works <laughs> so <laughs> it's <laughs> not what I expected for some reason (laughs) and and I actually for this because this is the imposter was imposter syndrome women's business um podcast I actually had read something a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to share this is from a book called (laughs) this book is called the healthy love and money way by Ed Combs and he has a section here where he defines the essence of imposter syndrome And the the essence of imposter syndrome is, I am not good enough to be here. I do not belong here. I don't deserve to be here. And he says that to compare that to secure attachment. So this is the book about attachment styles. And in secure attachment, we say, I am good enough to be here. I do belong here. I deserve to be here. And this was the first time that I saw imposter syndrome be connected to attachment styles Which is like its own rabbit hole that as a money coach I've started to delve into too. And I I love that idea of just we get to be secure in our attachment to money. Of knowing we deserve to have it.
1: Sorry. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, and I know Deanna, one of the things you had said, um, when we were talking to you before your interview is, um, that you love affirmations as well, which that seems to go hand, hand in hand with starting to change, change that mindset and recognize that you're not an imposter, um, in all areas of your life. So your nine reach out. you did a nine week outreach program. You're doing one. You just started it.
2: Yes. I started it yesterday.
1: I think that is so cool. And I love that you're getting results already. That's huge. So I hope you keep up with it and your accountability partner keeps pushing you and, and keeps you going for lots more results on that.
2: And that this nine week, this is actually from a book called The 12 Week Year. I modified it to nine weeks. Again, I think this applies to everyone, but as a digital nomad, I need to be really conscious of my timetables of like, when am I going to have stability? When am I going to be completely unavailable? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because that's one of the things that I was able to build into my life, going to places without an internet, right? And then I can't can't work other than write. Um, So this nine-week program, it's helpful to also think like, I only have to be this disciplined for nine weeks, and then I can go off and do whatever else is next for me to do.
1: That's so good. Oh my gosh. I, and I'm sure I'd love even having to think about times where you work without internet too. There's something really special about that. And I think that you probably have gotten some really good work done in those times as well. It's <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll share um, the win that I have for my business this week. Um, so we, our listeners have been hearing about it endlessly for what it feels like forever. Um, but we've been working really hard on a duplex um, that we are renovating. And the second half of the duplex is completely done. And the photos are taken and it is listed and on the internet. So I was so excited. And we've had a lot of interest um, from people going through it and really positive feedback about the changes we made. Um, which is just a wonderful feeling to get (laughs) finally to the end. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, we covered a lot today. Deanna, thank you so much for being on the show to talk to us. We talked all about money mindset, uh, preparing for taxes, preparing your systems, um, and heard all about all the colors as well today. So we hope that everybody got a lot out of this episode and we can't wait to see them in the next episode of Imposter Women. Thank you for listening to this episode of Imposter Women. You can visit the episode description to find all of the show notes from today's episode. We'd love if you would send us your weekly win at imposterwomen at gmail.com and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts to help others find this community. Be sure to tune in next week as we continue to help you chase your dreams unapologetically. See you on the next episode of Imposter Women.